Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Another Gruden rumor, another loss, and just one game left in this miserable season. Hello, everybody. Happy holidays from the Rick and Tom podcast. We are recording this from Charlotte on Christmas Eve. Just a short while ago, the Bucks lost to the Panthers 22-19 in another frustrating game. But before we get to that game, an important question for you, Rick. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? <laughs> yeah, let's get right to it. As I'm actually watching the greatest Christmas movie of all time, you know what that is? A Christmas Story? No. Oh, I know what you're life. watching. Yes. I think it's, first off, the answer on Die Hard is yes. Yes, it is a Christmas movie because it's set at Christmas time, just like Home Alone's a Christmas movie. But the greatest Chris, Christmas movie is A Christmas Story. But I like, it's a wonderful life. I, I like that I too. I, you know what? I don't, I don't get the Christmas story. I mean, I watched it the other day. I've watched it before. I know. I can't believe this. I just don't get it. It's like, okay, kind of a timepiece, kind of a Americana. You know, the Santa Claus is funny and the kids are funny and you know, it's just a classic, you know, underdog struggle and he wants the BB gun and he shoots himself in the eye. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, what what was the point of this whole story? Like, mom's right. You can put your eye out. OK, Is that that's like right. A- but that's here's the thing with that. It, it's the movie that uh, or it's the present that like everybody as a kid wanted something, whether it was a bike or a dirt bike. Like I wanted a dirt bike. That was like the one thing I always wanted to get. And my parents never got it for me because I was going to like have a crash on it or whatever. Right. Yeah, so to me, that was the perfect, you know, that, that that's the perfect representation of, you know, the ultimate gift, you know, the Red Rider BB gun. So anyway, uh, enough of that. Let's get to this Bucks game, Rick. Close, close again, no cigar, as they say. And uh, let's start off with the, Gru- the Gruden rumors to start the day, because you addressed this as well in your story. We woke up on Sunday to another story about John Gruden. What do you make of this story now that, you know, he maybe put out some some feelers to see if there are other coaches who might be interested in joining his staff. Is that something you think would be, if it, if you believe it, would be new to this year? Or, you, or do you think this is something he might do every year just to gauge uh, who might be out there? Um, I would tend to think he would do that often. Um, you know, and again, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's ratcheted up a little bit. Um, you know, he's been, he's kept his plans pretty close to the vest, but uh, I think you always, if you're contemplating coaching, I mean, the biggest, the biggest secret in this is what kind of a staff can you assemble and quickly? Because, as you know, there's going to be probably eight or nine head coaching changes this year. And, you know, the race is to get the best assistance, which will actually ensure your success. And so, you know, I, I think that, you know, if John is remotely thinking, let's say, for example, let's say, let's say he would consider the Bucks if that job were available, but he you know, knows the way the season's going, but he hasn't gotten a call. The season's not over yet. He doesn't know what the Glazers' ultimate decision will be with their cutter. Well, he needs to be prepared in case that phone call comes on January 1st. And so, you know, in as much as he still has a few guys he's coached with, look, most of the guys, you know, he's coached with are either with other teams or they're done. You know, Bill Muir is retired. 
Um, right. Monty, Monty Kiffin, I don't think, is coming back to an NFL sideline, even though he's forever young at 80 years old or whatever he is. Oh, he'd do it in a minute. You know it. Sure he would. But but my point is is that they're not gonna. that's not who he's going to get this time. So he has to, you know, be able to assemble, a, you know, at least a major part of the staff with the coordinators and whatnot. And I would think that he'd have to check on their availability if he's remotely interested. But I don't know. You know, it was Ian Rappaport's report on NFL.com. Uh, I, I, it didn't sound overly convincing. It said, you know, former assistants and friends. So what does that mean? I mean, it's rather right. vague to be clear. My thing with, with Gruden as well, too, and I don't know what the Glazers have done. I'm not sitting here suggesting that they've placed a call to him. But I also think John, for, uh, John Gruden is such a member of the coaching fraternity that if they did contact him, I would not be stunned if he said, you know what, you have a coach right now. If you don't have a coach at some point, let me know, and I might have a, have a conversation with you then. Until then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an announcer. You need to go on with the rest of your season. I don't know that that has happened or it hasn't happened, but I, I can see where he wouldn't want to be perceived the way people perceived Bill Parcells back in the day. Right. And he had a, a signed deal, apparently, when Tony Dungy was still coach. You were covering all that whole thing, Rick. He took, a little, he, he took some backlash because of that, right? He took a major beating, and, and yeah, and I think it contributed to him to not, not taking the job. In fact, I was the one that wrote the story. Uh, for those that don't remember, um, Bill Parcells was courted by the Glazers, and this was during Tony Dungy's last year, and there were still two weeks to go in the, in the uh, season, in fact. They had to play the Philadelphia Eagles in the, in the divisional playoff, the wild card, one of those. And they had lost to Philadelphia every year. It was going to be at Philadelphia. But um, two weeks before the season was over, they, the Glazers went and had a signed deal with Bill Parcells. And, you know, uh, Mike Tannenbaum was going to be the GM. He was calling coaches. They, uh, they ended up hiring Bill Muir before, you know, uh, anyone ever got here after they found, fired Dungy. But it did get revealed, and it got revealed by our newspaper, and it, it helped contribute to blow up the deal. He was going through a divorce as well. But the biggest thing was the coaching pushback. I think the Glazers learned from that. I think anybody in the coaching community kind of learned from that. Look, they use intermediaries. They, they, they can get the word out that there may be an opening and gauge interest as to whether or not – and this has happened every year since he retired or since he took the ESPN job. You know, right. John, a coach. And – it's all about where, and, and I just, you know, I keep feeling all this smoke. I keep seeing all this smoke. Got to be a fire someplace. Now, whether, when the time comes, you know, Dirk Carter has one more game. Now, does it matter whether they win or lose? I don't know. You know, maybe the die was cast today. I, I don't know. But if he, but here's the phrase I've heard from the Bucks, and even Gruden used it a couple, about a week or so ago at McDill. They both have said this phrase. There's still a lot of football left. I mean, to a man, they both said this, or to, a, mm -hmm. to an organization, and I've heard John say it. There's a lot of football. So, to me, that's code for we're not, you know, we want all the information. Then we will make a decision. Then if we decide, you know, Dirk and or Jason or whatever is, is going to be uh, gone, then we will reach out to our candidates. And so, you know, if you're John and you're, you're this is the one place you would consider coaching and you really are strongly considering it this year for that reason and you like Jameis Winston you like a lot of things then I think you better get your ducks in a row so that might be what's going on and meanwhile Rick as you said there's a lot of football left that was said coming into the to the Sunday game uh, against um, Carolina yeah. 
Carolina, a team that's on their way to the playoffs now, four time in five years. And you look at back at this Bucks team, Rick, over the last month, I think they've lost their last four games by a total of like, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 points, something like that. I mean, they're losing these games by either field goals, either one somebody sport. makes one at the end. Yeah, they're one-score games, uh, pretty much every one, including an overtime game. Uh, and, then, and then, Rick, I look at this game on Sunday, and I feel bad for Dirk Cutter because, look, Jameis Winston played pretty well, but he turned the ball over three times. Nobody's coaching them up how to, uh, how to, how to do the center quarterback exchange. You, you, you would assume your, your team can do that at least. I'm not blaming Dirk Cutter for that. I don't blame Dirk Cutter for guys missing tackles on a kickoff return that goes 103 yards. I don't blame Dirk Cutter for Patrick Murray missing a 51-yard field goal that would have at least given him maybe a shot at, at overtime. I don't blame Dirk Cutter for Chris Baker jumping off sides when he was told two seconds before that, don't jump off sides by one of his teammates. I know it all falls under Dirk Cutter. It's all under his umbrella. It's all going on under his watch, Rick. But how do you blame Dirk Cutter for some of this stuff? Well, it, you don't coach mistakes, but you do you do enough you know, drilling and, and you have enough accountability to where you try to minimize those. And the other thing you do is, Tom, you hire smart football players. You hire guys that won't yeah. get you beat. And I'm sorry, but you know, Chris Baker helped get them beat today. And that's not, it's one play. Uh, and there were a lot of plays, you know, the fumble center snap exchange that you mentioned was, I thought, really on Jameis, maybe pulling away. Maybe the snap was, was you know, he's under the center, so it doesn't make sense. But you can't take a, an easy play like that for granted. You have to execute. And they practice those, you know, and every team does. But in, in pressure situations, when you're inside the 20-yard line, I mean, they left so many points on the board, this game shouldn't have been close. You know, you had four field goals. All of those could have been touchdowns. Um, mm -hmm. you had, you allowed a 103 yard kickoff return after one of those field goals. I mean, it was just, a, again, this is what bad teams do. Bad teams beat themselves. And I think a good team will take advantage of those mistakes. Carolina, for the most part, I mean, that's a, that's an 11 win team now that could win a division. And yet they got outplayed in many facets of this game. I mean, it really shouldn't have been a hard game for the bucks to win the way Jameis was playing, the amount of offense they had. I mean, hell, he threw for damn near 400 yards again. He's had 130 rating plus in two consecutive games. That's only happened twice in Bucks history. It was Josh Freeman in 2010, if you can believe it, Mike Glennon in 2013. So he can't play at a higher level with the exception of the fumbles. Now, he also was sacked six times, and two of those fumbles came out because of pressure that he got You know, when he got hit. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's still not a good football team, but one that it just goes to show you, you have a team that came into the game 10-4 and four and one that was 4-10. and 10. And I'll be damned, if you didn't know the records, you would have a tough time figuring out which one was really better than the other. Well, I'll tell you what, if you remove the scoring plays from that game, and I know, trust me, look, I know how ridiculous that sounds. That's like, sure. you know, other than, other than, uh, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? But right. if you look back at the, at, at really this game, the Bucks were the better team for all, for, for most of that game. It, Maybe not on special teams. They gave up a, a fake punt that went for a pass interference that set up a touchdown or set up a field goal for Carolina. And then they had the, the kickoff return, which was a problem, and they missed a field goal. So special teams, they weren't great. But offensively, you mentioned it, Jameis Winston without much of a running game and under attack the whole day oh was finding people, finding people like Bobo Wilson and Freddie Martino, and he hit Chris Godwin. I mean, he's losing guy. No O.J. Howard, no Deshaun Jackson. You wouldn't have known it, though, by the right. way he was throwing the football. And defensively, Rick, I mean, the only touchdown they gave up was on the final drive of the game. And you could make an argument 
that maybe they had Carolina stopped even on the fourth and inches inside the five yard line. They thought, you know, for several bucks, including Gerald McCoy, thought it was a bad spot. So, really, when you look back at this game, they actually probably outplayed Carolina, deserved to win this game. But as you mentioned, they find ways to lose, and that's why they're 4 and 11. And they can't, you can't, you know, the record cannot be 4 and 11, 5, you know, 5 and 11, 4 and 12. It just can't. And, you know, that's, that's kind of football. I mean, like, you know, in the, in the NFL, because the competition is so close, um, it really is one, two, or three plays sometimes. And you can reverse that for any game, for any season. It's going to change the outcome. Sure. But those, those are the big downs that you have to be able to play and play well. When you get to the 18-yard line, you can't just give the ball away on a center quarterback exchange. It can't happen. Bad teams will do that. Good teams will take advantage of it. And go down and score as as the Panthers did. So, you know, they beat themselves, and that's what's happened all year long. And so, you know, as much. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Should you say, well, you know, Dirk's not coaching, you know, Peyton Barber to fumble at the five-yard line. No, but if it happens week in and week out and week in and week out, you either have the wrong football players or the message is not getting home. And in any case, it doesn't matter because somebody's going to look at their cutter. If they lose against the Saints, which, by the way, this is an our nightmare, that game may be flexed to 4 o'clock on New Year's Eve mm-hmm. because it couldn't mean a division title for the Saints. We're waiting on that one. But, um, you know, I mean, what's going to happen is they, if they lose, they, they will have lost seven in a row to end the season. Jameis Winston will be 0-9 in his last nine starts. Um, they will have lost every game in the division. And I'm sorry, but, you know, it would be stunning at that point if the Bucks kept Dirk Cutter. It just would because, you know, uh, and I'm not saying it's the, the wrong thing to do. It might be the right thing to do. I don't know. But I, I just find it hard to believe that an organization that has averaged firing coaches every two years and the last guy that lost four in a row, and the last guy that lost five in a row, and the last guy, they all got fired. So right. you think about the expectations. I mean, Dirk Cutter began this season by saying this. This is the most talented team we've had since I've been here. And he's been there since, you know, Lovey Smith's second season. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, and yes, they had injuries, as every team does, how in the heck? Can you be sitting here at 4-12? and 12? And yet, I wrote a story chronicling all the weird things that have happened. It's been a unique season in many ways. They've had to overcome a lot of things. Uh, and they just didn't handle it very well. And they're still not handling it well because this they should have walked out of there with a big victory over a team that has a good chance to win a division title today. Absolutely. You mentioned all the crazy things that happened during the course of the season. And you're right. I mean, you look back uh, – and I could change a couple of plays here and there. I look back at they could have beat the Patriots on the last play of the game. They lost mm-hmm. to the Packers in overtime. They lost in the last second field goal to Detroit. Uh, they missed a field goal against Atlanta that would have sent that game to an overtime. Uh, they lost a late lead against Buffalo. You switch all those games, Rick. They're nine and six <laughs> right oh, now. Or better. Into- I mean, look, they're two and seven in one one score games. 
And, and Jameis has given them the lead or tied a game in the fourth quarter uh, five times now, and they've won one of those. They're one and four in those games. So, right. you know, I mean, there's a, there is a constant here, and that is that they cannot close out games on defense, mostly because they can't rush the passer. I mean, you know, and yet, and even the decisions, it's like you say, okay, Dirk Cutter has a four-point lead, right? Mm-hmm. Only a touchdown can beat them. Field goal can't beat them. Field goal can't tie them. And they're moving the ball. And they're using clock. And they get it inside. They're in field goal range, sort of. And then they get behind the sticks. They have some negative plays. But they're looking at, you know, I mean, just that decision where they're looking at a 51-yarder. Now, you know, the guy's four for four. He's having a pretty good day. But last week he missed a kick against Atlanta. That was 54 yards, a little longer. Um, had the distance. But it would have tied Atlanta. Well, so he lines up, and instead of punting the ball down inside the 20, whereby Carolina would, could win with a touchdown, you could lose if they score a touchdown, but they got to go sure. 89 yards. Instead, he tries the field goal. It was long enough. He's trying to make it a seven-point game. But all a seven-point game does is ensure that you're not going to lose. You might go to overtime. Um, right. It doesn't win the game. You know, if you, if you kick a field goal there, it does not win the game. The game is not over. So... You know, he misses the field goal, and we know the rest is history. It was just the ease with which they got down there. And like you said, you get them to fourth and you get them to fourth and three at the five. That is not an easy down, even for Cam Newton. And then you jump off sides when Chris Baker's being told by his teammates, watch the hard count, and he says, I got anxious. I mean, <laughs> that's a that's a dumb football play. And I know it's one play, but that one play makes it fourth and one, and Jonathan Stewart can get one yard if he needs it. And then this is the part that the Bucks were just fuming about. I was like, you know, on the next snap, Cam Newton drops the ball on the ground, drops the mm-hmm. snap. And instead of when the Bucks dropped the center exchange, you know, Carolina recovered, he picks it up and scores. I mean, right. you know, it's just that kind of a game and it's that kind of a season. And I just, I've, I've been, I've covered these and I've covered these. This is what it's like when you lose. I mean, this is this is just sort of, it's just, it's everything that I've ever seen before. It's it's teams fighting hard. It's the NFL, and then there's one team, you know, that consistently beats themselves. I would maintain more games are lost by teams than are actually won. You know, yes. I mean, it's just that it's the teams. You know, they always say you got to win the turnover battle. Well, that just means you make fewer mistakes than the other guys. And if you do, if you're good enough, you'll take advantage of those mistakes. And the Bucks are good enough to take advantage of other people's mistakes. The problem is they make more. They were a you know negative two in turnovers today, and they just can't win that way. So, yeah, Dirk Cutter. I mean, he's got one game left. I mean, I don't know, Tom. Do you see? Do you see a path forward with this guy? No, no, I don't. Only because, like you said, you can't get around that record. And we can look back and say, well, they played hard in this game. They played hard in that game. And look, the last two coaches that 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 went out this way were Raheem Morris and John Gruden, and both of them got fired because of, and you covered both of those teams, that they just completely collapsed at the end. It was a dumpster fire, buddy. You know, Gruden lost his last so did, four. Yeah, Raheem, so Raheem Seattle, lost his – yeah, and Raheem lost his last, what, 10 or whatever? Ten. So, Early. yeah, yeah, seven. It's hard to get past seven. And look, and just to clear up something I said earlier – about, yeah, I could change a few plays here and go nine and six. I could probably do that with the Cleveland Browns and find them three or four victories. So I'm not certainly making excuses that that uh, that the Bucks should be nine and six right now. Um, and, and as far as also, too, you mentioned the, uh, the, the, the other option that, that 
Cutter had was going for it on that fourth down instead of kicking the field goal or punting. Yeah, but it was fourth and six, though. It wasn't like fourth. Yeah, it wasn't an easy one. It wasn't easy, and you had the ball. The ball was like around the uh, it was around the thirty-five yard line. So if you don't make it, you're giving them the ball. Still a pretty good field position, absolutely. But I would say this: if you can keep the ball. It was oh, almost yeah. wasn't the the points didn't matter almost as much as just not giving Carolina the ball back, you know. Right. So, um, the other big thing, Rick, that that sort of started making some noise on Twitter right after the game was okay. So the Bucks get the ball back after Cam Newton goes in for the score. There's about thirty some seconds left. Bucks have one timeout left. And need a field goal play, to tie, right? Yeah. Need a field goal to tie, right? They're down twenty two nineteen at this point, which is what the final score turned out to be. Jameis goes back to pass gets hit, fumbles the football, and Jameis claims, and apparently a couple of the Carolina Panthers agreed with him, that he actually got the ball back. Nevertheless, the ball was awarded to, uh, to Carolina, and Jameis went berserk. Started mm-hmm. yelling and screaming. They had to be held back. Jerk Cutter had to hold him back. Players were holding him back. Apparently, he really went off on the referee. Now, also apparently apologized to the referee after the game. Got penalized yeah, for the line. <laughs> yeah, got penalized for unsportsmanlike conduct. People are jumping on him for being immature, Rick, and I'm telling you, I I, I don't have a problem with Jameis's reaction to all that. It's not, it's not like it cost them a, a game at that point. He wasn't being selfish. I I had no issue with Jameis going off like that because I think he felt he got screwed. Well, left unchecked, um, he would not be playing in the season finale because it was probably true to, too. Yes, get a piece of that rep and. I was, and so that's the control part that you do have to check yourself at some point. I mean, look, we know how frustrated he is. You talk to him. I talk to him every week. We talk to him after these games. I mean, you go out there and, you know, he, he didn't play perfect by any means. But when you go 22 of 27, um, you know, and you throw another 360, some 70 yards up there and no interceptions again. I mean, look at his last two games. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much better you can play the quarterback position, and yet there's always this mistake, you know. But you know what? Aaron Rodgers threw three picks. Now, I know he, he, he was coming off being hurt, right? Um, and that ended their season. So it happens in the NFL. But um, I think Jameis is actually, now that he's, you know, you asked him, you know, somebody did after the game, you know, why you think you're playing better. He goes, well, I'm feeling better. And, yes. and I go back. I mean, I'm telling you. It, it really doesn't matter because Jameis has now felt pretty good these last three or four weeks and they lost every game. So, you know, to think that, well, if they'd arrested him, yeah, I think he'd have gotten better sooner and maybe they'd have been more competitive against who? Maybe Atlanta. I don't know. But you know, don't forget Ryan Fitzpatrick won two of the four games they have. Granted, it was against the Jets in Miami, but so what? They'd take those victories right now and duplicate sure. them if they could. So it's just been, there's just, and this is what it's going to come down to, I'm afraid, if I'm, if I'm in Dirk Cutter's family or camp or whatever. They won't be able to define it. The Glazers won't be able to define it. The players can't define it. And we won't be able to define it. There is something that is not connecting. That in clutch parts of the game, this team doesn't you know, have the confidence or the plan or the players um, to get the job done, to get the W, to get the win. And, you know, they still think they have an abundance of talent, rightly or wrongly. They still think this team is way better than four and what they're going to be. And so if you can't define it, if you don't know what that thing is, are you going to trust that it's going to be magically appear next year? 
In other words, you could go out there, you could add some players, and you could be a better football team. And yet, when you get in these clutch situations, are you confident that that football team under Dirk Cutter is going to make the right play? Are you confident they're going to get a stop? Are you confident Jameis isn't going to turn the ball over? I mean, I, I don't know because players play and coaches coach, but I do think that there's something to the fact that, you know, maybe the Glazers have seen this movie, as they say, and may not want to see it again. Yeah, it's funny. Booger McFarland, the former Buck, have tweeted out with uh, right after Murray missed the field goal. He said, "Hey, Bucks fans, you know how this ends, right?" And oh. and that's that's exactly. I mean, you had it. You you thought it coming. And the funny thing is, Rick, if I told you before the game, Jameis is going to turn the ball over three times on fumbles, and you're going to give up a kickoff return for a touchdown, oh, and you you're also going to. Yeah, and you're also gonna, you know, they're gonna they're gonna convert a fake punt into a first down and go down and score on that drive. You're thinking like, oh, they're gonna lose this game, thirty-seven to, to ten or whatever. The fact that they had a chance to win it on one end, you say, hey, okay, maybe they're not that far away. But on the other hand, it does. I mean, you might as well be a million miles away because your record's four and eleven or whatever. Like I said, it's uh, the opposite. Anyway, another Carolina Panthers, yeah, yeah, exactly. Who are going to the playoffs for, like you said, for the fourth time and in the last five years. And it looks like it, three teams from the NFC South are going to get into the playoffs. All Atlanta has to do is win next week or get a Seattle loss, and, and, they're, and they're all set. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to take Christmas Day off. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll probably hear it on Monday and also on Tuesday. We're going to spend our time watching Die Hard and It's a Wonderful Life and Christmas Story and all that stuff. I'm you very subscribe to old savings and loan. <laughs> Check us out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Rick Tom Podcast at NFL Stroud at Tom W. Jones. Thanks to our producer Steve Versnick. Hope you all have a great holiday, and we'll talk to you uh, when we come back on middle of the week. So thanks everybody. <laughs>